assumed. <laughs> Have you ever seen one of those YouTube videos on a compilation kind of thing where they show you uh, a bunch of people's awkward moments sort of compiled all together? I saw one. I can remember it. It was uh, awkward moments in church, that kind of a compilation. And, and watching it, I had this blend of feelings like living in absolute fear and laughing at the same time. It, it, it seemed just far too real, uh, too possible. Uh, I, I've always had a degree of nervousness about, you know, kind of being there in the spotlight. Everything is on you and you bumble it all, just like the poor priest in the video who sends the baby sliding all around the baptismal font and then dropping him outright and go, that's not me. And just, you know, a side note, a side note, a non-theological side note, that is a really big reason why I don't do infant baptism, right? I just don't want to drop slippery babies. Uh, that, that's not entirely true. Uh, but it is terrifying to imagine. Uh, I, I try to laugh at myself now. I try to laugh at myself now. It wasn't always as easy to do that. Not because there wasn't something to laugh at, like just like today when I left my microphone on and I'm singing, and sorry for those of you who had to hear that. Um, I, I couldn't laugh at myself because I was just too insecure to let that be funny. But the better part now is that uh, it actually is funny, and, and I can feel that and I can laugh at it, uh, no longer forcing laughter to sort of cover up my embarrassment. That's not always been the case. Uh, I, I had just started at a, a new church. It was only a week or two in, and my senior pastor had assigned me a baby dedication. Now, no, you don't need to go and interview the family. No, you don't even need to meet the family. Uh, no, you don't need to do anything in advance to prepare at all. That's what I was told. And all that left me feeling more than a little nervous. But do as you're told, right? So misgivings, pressure, uh, spotlight. Uh, remember everything. Don't mess up. This is important. This is serious. This really means something. So be amazing. Uh, establish yourself as a caring leader. Mind is racing casual smile. I do the brief intro. That seemed to have gone okay. Do some questions to the, to the uh, parents. Do some questions to the congregation. Check. That's done. Now, collect the baby for the prayer of dedication, the moment of truth. Thank you. It must have been the uh, special dedication clothes. They're so fancy so slippery. Uh, the little fella starts the wiggles. Uh, no crying yet. Keep praying. Powerful, sincere, honest, caring. It's a dedication prayer. Do it right or this child will suffer horribly for the rest of his life, right? Squirming keeps on happening and it's, it's intensifying a little bit now. Tiny whimpers, little bits of squeals, We've got to get to the amen, okay? Boom, there we are. Amen. And I turn and I begin to hand uh, the, him back over to his parents. And then, and then the child just loses all of his bones. They all turn to Jello. And where'd he go? Support the head. Catch him. It's okay, everybody. It's okay. <laughs> and here you go, terrified-looking mom. Your little baby has just been dedicated. And just in time, too, because he almost wriggled out of my arms and onto the ground. 
but he didn't, okay? No injuries. I don't know what you're thinking happened. Injuries to my pride. That one took a real beating that day. Just get off the stage, all right? Just get out of here as quickly as possible and let me hide. And there it is, a landmark memory in my life. The one that almost got away. <laughs> Child dedications, please sign a waiver. Uh, now, besides the bumbling kind of butterfingered approach that I had, there were other issues with that special moment. Uh, things that I've learned, things that I have vowed not to do again, things that I did not like the way uh, that they went. They didn't go the way that I wanted them to go, and not the way that I think they should have gone. It was efficient, but it was really impersonal. And from then on, I always wanted to ensure that there was a real connection, that real conversation, that there's going to be real understanding, that there's going to be real interaction, and a good shared story between the family and, and, and the pastor and the, and the church as a whole. It is in these landmark moments of significance, like we've been talking about for the last number of weeks, that we build together, we create, we maintain, and we share our environment the way that it should be and feel at Into One. And from the beginning of this series, episode one, the, uh, the landmark series, the we story is what we started with. We have been emphasizing right from the very beginning, not just the actions taken and not just the underlying meanings and not just about the beauty or the significance of the symbols, not just the theology and the, and the understanding of God and who he is, but the repeated focus has been on how these landmarks are for the community to draw us together to draw us into one and to enable us to go on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ together, linked to God and to each other. These landmarks are for the growth and development of individuals, absolutely, but they are also for the growth and the development of the church as a whole. What have those landmarks been? Well, episode two was about communion. Episode three was about baptism. Episode four was about marriage. Episode five is today. We're going to talk about child dedication. And finally, episode six will be heartbreak survivors. These landmarks, all of them and more, give us the opportunity to practice what we preach, uh, to remember what we believe, and then to live out honestly what we believe, not just to think it, but to live it. And so today, our emphasis on, is on our love and our care for our Children, at Into One, we want to learn to grow how to love our kids better. We value children because Jesus valued children. I mean, it's not the only reason, obviously, but it certainly is a central, defining reason. And loving children has always seemingly been a bit of a stretch, frankly, for religious people to get their heads around. You know, what function do they serve? And why don't, you, why don't we actually just hide them away until they can do something worthwhile? Call me back when they can give me something that I want, that can sometimes be our struggle even now. But it was even worse in the first century. Um, Jesus had to bring his disciples, the disciples, he had to bring them into the, onto his page. So Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, maybe a very famous passage that you know. Then people brought the little children to Jesus for him to place hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. 
14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. 15. When he had placed his hands on them, he went from there. Children were loved, but they were socially powerless and entirely dependent. Infant mortality rates were extremely high, many dying before reaching maturity. In places like Egypt, about 50% of the children died before they reached 16. Jesus knew the times. Jesus knew the needs of the parents, the needs of the society at large, but especially the needs of those children that he was around. And so he would lay hands on them. And that sounds perhaps to us a little bit odd. We, maybe we don't talk like that. But that is a, a shorthand way for people in ancient Israel's culture to describe an important moment. Maybe a landmark moment. This important person would stop lay hands on the person, on their head or on their shoulders, and offer a blessing to the other person. From me to you. I send the, the blessing from my spirit through my hands and into, over you, and around you. Not just words spoken, but connection made. But to the disciples, this is just one more time-wasting moment, Jesus. You're a very important Messiah. you got things to do. You need to be about the business of toppling the Romans and restoring Israel to her former glory. Come on, Jesus. It's time to make Israel great again. And these children? Come on, Jesus. They're really just getting in the way. They're just slowing us down, doing the important things that we need to be doing. The disciples had very little time for people who did not wield power, especially political power. And that constant struggle for folks in that time was that even if they did you know, believe in Jesus, most believed the wrong things about him. Most were looking for political power and getting the Romans out. Jesus was to be, was to be the Messiah, and that must mean it must mean securing political power. And they were happy to follow him as a military leader, as a political leader that was all good. Give me what I want, Jesus. Do it the way that I want. And how do we do that, that we really want to have happen? Well, just like the way that they did it when they took it from us. With military force and political power and political domination, no one saw the kingdom to come arriving by being powerless like little children. The totally powerless have absolutely no one to depend on but God. And who models themselves after the powerless? Who even wants anyone, who wants to trust anyone to save them? We want to do it ourselves. But that trust, that childlike innocence and faith that says God will do what he says he will do. That, that's the essence of our lived out faith. And so children are a model for us highlighted and pointed out by Jesus himself. Now, my first time as a pastor in my first church, I can remember doing my first child dedication, Aaron Hill. The first child dedication was different than the one that I mentioned previously. This one had so many more important elements surrounding it. This shared experience drew us, both Cheryl and I, into a great relationship. We, and that means both the families, uh, we grew to care for each other, including the kids. And the older daughter led her younger brother in naming us. Little Aaron grew up to call me Pastor Graham. 
And Cheryl was known for years as Pastor Mummy. That was our names, our titles. The environment between us became uh, filled with good things, and there was sharing and laughing and helping, giving. We even had pancakes for dinner. There, there was offering back and forth, helping each other, sharing times, even crying together. And at times, we would dream together. We imagined, and over time, we then launched a ministry called The Point. And The Point is probably our very first version of the dream that would decades later grow up and into, into one. We had been drawn together into one. Not exclusively because of the child dedication, but it certainly played an influential role. Because it's not just about the child. It's, it's not just about the parents. And it's not just about them as a family. And it's not just about the church. It's about all these things together and more. And you might recall, going back in your head, episode three, when we talked about baptism, we learned that there are different views. The Roman Catholic understanding sees infant baptism as the uh, delivery system of saving grace. The child and even the parents don't necessarily play a key role in the process. If there's someone to bring the child forward and, uh, and, and there's a properly ordained priest who will uh, complete the properly ordered ritual, that child will be granted salvation because of and through the grace of God and the power of the priest and of the church. Infant christening. Some denominations choose to christen infants. And here, christening means largely the same thing as baptism. It's more to do with the mechanics of what you're going to do and what that will look like. And that might be uh, churches like uh, Reformed churches, Presbyterian churches. They believe that the baptism is a sign or it's a seal of the new covenant. So how do you know if you are in? Well, baptism is that line. In with it and out without it. So they believe that infants should be baptized in the same way that babies were circumcised as a sign of the old covenant. It's a sign of the new covenant. So salvation comes by grace through faith. But whose faith is the question? Right? Roman Catholics believe in the power of the, the priest and the ritual and of the church to be the faith on a child's behalf. Then Reform and Presbyterian, um, they would claim that... Uh, Faith of the parents is the faith that's necessary to receive the gift of grace from God. Then there are people who see baptism as a, a symbol that points to a story. Faith in Jesus to save us. Faith in his death and that resurrection. That faith, that personal surrender, that personal understanding is the key to making the symbol significant. Then the outflowing obedience to do as Jesus commanded opens us up to receive God's gift of grace through baptism. Now, there's no recorded infant baptism in the New Testament. While we recognize the right of other churches to practice infant christening, we understand Scripture to teach that only self-professing believers qualify for baptism. Baptism does not make you a believer. Rather, it shows that you already believe. So, because of what we believe about baptism, we therefore have this view on children, families, and child dedication. 
Child dedication is not about salvation. So one of the implications of our beliefs is that every once in a while, we have to take a little bit of time to explain what we believe and why we believe that, and then the implications of that belief. So one of the implications is that we don't make a habit of dedicating children of people who just phone up, all right? They tend to have a sense that something in their cultural background has told them deep down inside that their child needs to be baptized, and and then everything will be good from then on out. No one else will do it for us, so will you? And they want to book a date. They want to come on in and just get that thing done, and then go back to their lives. (coughs) So in a kind-hearted way, uh, I try to explain about our beliefs in a brief format, and then let them know that we're not a vendor of spiritual goods and services. We are a community traveling together, caring for each other, supporting each other, learning from each other, sacrificing for each other, providing nurture and knowledge to each other. You are welcomed to join. You can belong before you believe everything that we believe, but child dedication has no particular value unless it's attached and approached with faith and then a commitment of the family, including a spiritual family. You can't just go and grab a dedication package and go. It's very much about staying. More links, more connections. We are constantly building and expanding our relationship web. So child dedication is a faith next step for the parents. It's a formal way for parents to dedicate their child to God, and so we do that publicly for accountability, and we do it so that we can publicly ask for help from the church family. And the church is built up through another person acknowledging, seeing them, watching them publicly display their faith. And then the church joins in the act of child dedication by committing to care for and nurture both the child and the parents. That comes in the form of generosity in time, treasure, and talent. These things are linked very much together. We give of our gifts to teach, to encourage, to mentor, to provide resources for, to train, to welcome, to say, come alongside with me. Walk with me as I go. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's been long known that it takes a village to raise a child. It has also been long resisted. Because I don't want to need. I don't want to commit. I don't want to be beholden to anything or to anyone that I don't want. I will help some, but I'm not going to help them all. And in the church of Jesus Christ, in the kingdom of God, there is no slave nor free. How we see is the result of who we are, not who others are. And so the Apostle Paul reminds us of this in his letter to the Galatians, who we are. Galatians 3, starting at 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 27, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. (coughs) 
And here Paul reminds us uh, of our interconnectedness, right? That our one another-ings. Uh, we are connected through Christ and reminded through participation in the celebrations and symbols of our landmarks. We're reminded of the whole story um, as we go through the symbol of baptism. We're reminded through and, and the participation of the stories that are there in our symbol of communion. They link us together. We're reminded of the story of Jesus, our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, our Coming King, and remembering that big story. That big story matters as we each try to live out our stories actively and effectively day after day after day. And so participation as a church and as individuals in child dedication puts life in perspective and at the same time lies out our priorities. So, when kids, not if, when kids put holes in the wall, spill paint on the carpet, knock things down because they were running too quickly, we have agreed to care for them as one family, to love and to nurture. And if you're going to be there for the stern talking to, then you need to be there for the sharing of love and the handing out of ice cream cones and the playing of games. We learn through all of the different emotional temperature ranges. When you're around children, it is your job to learn from them and to be reminded of lessons that you have already learned and to reawaken forgotten teach things and, and, and the feelings that go underneath them. You teach. Of course you're going to teach things that they don't know, but you are to learn as well, to reabsorb some of that energy, the trust, the hope, and the belief in possibility, and to allow to slip away from you your cynicism and your disbelief and your, your jadedness, your bitterness, the bile of lost dreams and unachieved hopes. So now you can watch again young love and be re rekindled in maybe your flickering love. Watch and learn from the wonder that comes on faces as the new is revealed or understanding dawns. Teach, not just so that information is transferred, but that wonder might be instilled and brought to life. One of the things, honestly, that shames me the most uh, in any of the teaching, preaching kind of times is that uh, sometimes I have turned things into something boring. The story of Jesus, the revelation of the God of the universe should not ever be boring. It's just too important. It's too weighty, too grace-filled, too life-changing too wonderful for words. It should never be boring. We think about, we plan for, we speak regarding the environment of Into One. It's the way that you feel here and around the people from Into One. And we work hard at that. We, we, we have crafted intentionally over time the world that we want to live in. And the environment of Into One is not self sustaining. It must be constantly maintained and shored up. And we need your help, frankly, to make that a reality. And I need you. And I need you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And all of you to take seriously what you choose to release into the into one environment. And child dedication serves as an excellent opportunity to do this. We get to shape the physical and the spiritual environment in this place. And we need your help. We need your help to bring all of that into existence. 
let your Christ-likeness be evident to all. Philippians 4, starting at verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to go ahead and say it again, all right? Rejoice. 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. Please let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So why does that environment, that aroma matter when it comes to child dedication? Just consider this scenario, okay, uh, of a future ded dedication of one of our children to the church, to into one. As we consider the dedication of a child, let's say a little girl, be warned. It's all cuteness and lace now, but in no time at all, this little baby girl, after a brief sojourn in childhood, will hit adolescence. Her hormones will kick in, and they will quickly conspire to undo all the good you've done in her. These will be the years that she's going to push back at you, church. She'll, she'll suddenly wonder how or why all these things actually happen, and she'll push you. And if you're not up to the challenge, she'll be tempted to conclude that everything that you've taught her and everything you teach us is at best a fairy tale and at worst a lie. And this might be the first time someone that she knows or loves dies. And when that happens into one, you you better not resort to cliches. You better be prepared to show her resurrection of the body hope at work among you. You might as well get ready now into one because when those years arrive, you will have to struggle just to have your voice heard above all the callings that claim her attention and tempt her loyalty. And just when it seems the time is racing by for her parents, tomorrow will seem forever away to her. Everything that she faces, um, she sees even in that morning mirror to the fickle loyalties of her friends will change almost every single day. And whether she knows it or not into one, what she will need for you is a community of constancy. She will need a people who refuse to let her go who refuse to let her, uh, to forget what, she, what you know to be true and enduring, who refuse to let her slip away before she learns to describe the world that we live in with the language that we speak. And she'll never admit it to you, church. But what she'll need in, in these years is a place where she doesn't have to put on a church mask. Uh, she needs a place of vulnerability, where, where vulnerability is not a dirty word, a place that's full of mercy and love and gratitude, and that's viable, and it's, it's a compelling alternative to the world that's around her. And then she's going to start high school, and you'll have four years of Sundays with her, but be warned, it will be harder for you to get her attention because she'll no longer really be listening to your words. She'll be looking at your life. I know. Scary, right? 
when she gathers with you and, and worships with you, she's going to wonder if you're really as friendly as you think that you are. She'll wonder if you have ever now experienced awe and mystery or whether you're just ticking off a weekly obligation and hoping you can get away, get through the whole thing without it being too boring. She'll wonder if, if, you're, if you're loose enough and free enough to allow the Spirit to enter into your worship and your lives. She'll look at your life into one and she'll question whether you conform your views and values to the God of, of Jesus Christ or whether you've sketched an idol in your own unthreatening image. She probably won't put it in those words or any words at all for that matter, but trust me, she'll be thinking it. And in these years, her BS radar will be acute. So you, you better not patronize her. We have a tendency to do that when, when a young person puts us on our heels by asking questions that we're not sure about. You better learn how to treat her as a member of the body of Christ. This may be the last time you have her attention. So for her sake, I hope you lead a life that points to the gospel, that leads to the gospel. And I pray that just when she's being pressured and pushed to get ahead, to pursue her future, to achieve success, and to grab after, grasping at her dreams, that you will by then have taught her that servanthood is the only path that leads to treasure. You will teach her by your actions and by your example. A place where she'll find the Lamb of God in your flesh. A place where she'll discover the kingdom, um, the coming kingdom previewed in your lives. A place where she'll learn that God is to be found among the lame and the poor and the outcast. And because you tell her that's not enough, but because you, the church, invite her to come and see. Come and see for yourself. There'll come a time, there always does, when this child will look desperately for where the living God can be found. And when that time does come into one, I hope that she will have a community that won't just shrug their shoulders, who won't just refer her to the pastor, or who won't quote Bible verses at her, or try to prove anything to her. Don't you dare do that to her. Instead, you better be able, because of the integrity of your life, to say, come and see. Come with me. Into one, that's the sort of church that I would give my life for. So I'm willing to bet that she'd be willing to give her life for it too. In closing, before the next step, I hope that the irony has hit you that this beautiful child will never be able to live out this Jesus life if you, into one, don't live out yours. We are connected. We are Christ-centered and spirit-empowered and mission-focused, and this is our mission. Everyone, everywhere, and all the time. We are not a program church. We are a people church. You are the strategy. So at our child dedication, we will tell you, the parents, that we have a gift for you. It's our don't give up now. Because the countdown is on. One marble per month, that's what you take out as you count down 
to that child's 18th birthday. It seems like an endless amount of time, but you will begin to notice it growing scarce and seemingly moving faster. So you, so we need to stay focused, stay interested, stay vigilant, stay loving, and stay standing. Don't give up. We are here with you. Together we stand firm. Stand firm so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Kind Father, in all of this process, we acknowledge that without you, we will fail. It is as we go in earnest pursuit of your son Jesus, that you meet us on the way, that grace infuses these different landmark celebrations and symbols as we try to space them out on our path as we go. They are there to remind us of the bigger picture, always the larger story that we are drawn and being drawn into. And so God, for my friends again that are listening today, we all come at this from different places, from different spaces in time, from different levels of expectation of what, did, what does this mean to me? I, I, I don't have a specific application for everyone except to say, God, bring to the minds of my friends that are listening right now, bring to their minds the next step that you have for them, how they can make a difference, how they can have their fingerprints on this environment that impacts us all. To not just sit and wait and hope that somebody will do something. To not sit back and notice things that are not quite up to snuff. But people who will say, I'm in. That's the environment that I want to build. I want to be ready when it comes to the next child who steps into our community. That we can be there as a family, ready to welcome that child. Ready to embrace those parents and say, part of the family. This is not just a mark that we check off. This is not some sort of um, requirement list that needs to be done. These are steps that validate all of us as we go forward, asking for the Spirit of God to indwell and infill us, to make a difference in our lives, to transform us into the glorious likeness of Christ himself, that he would come alive in us and by that life that we would shine forth into our community, to our friends, to our family, not to bring about a program, but to bring about genuine, honest, spirit-filled relationships, brimming over with love, brimming over with the desire to see God at work, not just in me, but in them, and maybe even through me. Jesus, we acknowledge once again that you are the senior pastor of this church into one. You are the one who's in charge. Give us ears to listen. Give us willingness to obey. Give us courage to do what we don't think we can do on our own. Be in our midst. Lead us where you would have us to go. We will follow as we continue to trust you, even when we can't see where the path goes. We're trusting you. We're stepping out, taking next steps in our faith, in earnest pursuit of you, Jesus.